Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to the Hunter Hunter podcast. The weird, creepy uncle of the HBO boys. Boys with a Z. I'm one of said boys, Ryan. And I watch Hunter Hunter sometimes and do a podcast about it. Apologies right up front. I got a little burnt out. I did about a million of them in two seconds flat. And then I was like, I don't want to watch this show anymore. And now, though, <laughs> now I feel less like that. And then I watched one of them, and here's a podcast about it, which is overall positive. Let's keep it going. The summary of this episode, entitled Trap in the Hole, which is a eloquent use of sentences, words, is this. Kilowatt confronts Imori, one of the Imori brothers, and steals their tag while Hanzo is trailing them. Meanwhile, Gon finds Mr. Oreo and Pika Pika and helps them find Ponzu's hideout. Unfortunately, they are trapped inside the cave. This is like watching a trailer for a movie, and you're like, I've seen it. I think I'm good. The wild narrator lets us know that Gon was humiliated after Hisaka dunked on him so goddamn hard last episode that he was sent back to the Stone Age, while Kilowatt is still being tracked by the Amori brothers, or at least, you know, just like one of them who doesn't know what he's getting himself into. Poor guy. And before we keep going, I will mention... That on patreon.com slash HBO boys, boys with a Z, you get this podcast early, which at this point, not a great deal because I haven't kept to a schedule for it. So like, what kind of sell is that, Ryan? Not a great one. Move on with your life. We do a bunch of bonus content though. James and I, we did one last night about our 2021 favorite and least favorite upcoming shows, predictions, if you will. That will be up there soon, plus the Talkie Boys Radio Hour, number one and two, were up there early, the third of which will be up there early as well, whenever we choose to do that. This pitch gets worse every time I do it. Let's get into the show. Kilowatt finally threatens the Amori brother, who is just kind of chilling there after Kilowatt's forever has been like, just come on, can you, do, bruh, bruh, can you come out here please? And he's like, I'm being a sneaky little bitch and then finally kilowatt just starts walking towards the poor fellow while pondering aloud that imori is probably only worth one lousy point and isn't worth the child murderer's time you know in any normal circumstance child murderer is used to describe a person who murders children seldom is it used in a way that i just did but i think it fits kilowatt's description pretty decently he is both a juvenile and a human liquidator so there you go. Imori, who, by the way, that name starts with an A, but in the episode, I heard it pronounced Imori. So I'm just like on the bandwagon of the gosh dang truth. Imori starts to get a confident vibe from Kilowatt, which scares the ever-living shit out of him, but he refuses to leave due to the fact that the razzing he will receive from his brothers will be too embarrassing, perhaps even more embarrassing than being ripped to shreds. But just then, they show up, both of his brothers, behind him. Cool! Witnesses! The two older brothers, with backwards hats, start to romp on their brother when they realize that he hasn't even donkey-punched this child while Kilowatt watches. Imori then gets up with a new sense of family-based confidence about him and walks down the plank towards Kilowatt. 
As a personal version of his hey, hi, hello, he kicks Kilowatt in the stomach after being called an idiot by a child whose skateboard then goes flying off into the woods. Then the little vampire Babbers then does that thing where he uses his momentum and legs to fling himself upwards, which I can totally do. Also, much to the dismay of the brothers who are like, wow, this baby is athletic. And then, even worse, apparently during the falcon kick Kilowatt had to his stum-stum, he snatched up Amori's number, which is number 198. Which is great news because Kilowatt's number that he needed is 199, and probably one of the other brothers who has now just come right to him. How convenient! The brothers in response then get into the Mighty Ducks Flying V like they are facing Iceland, as we see Hanzo in a bush next to all of them watching this, most likely preparing a dragon strike. As the brothers even begin to think about charging, Kilowatt then disappears inexplicably and reappears in the back of red shirt-wearing brother, which is fitting. He's a literal red shirt. And he holds his vamp hand to that dude's throat. Red shirt turns out to be number 197, and Kilowatt's like, dang, that is not the one I need. Hey, yellow shirt, are you 199? Which he is, and says, listen, uh, give me that number. Instead of everyone obviously dying today, just give me the number. So that is what happens. And Kilowatt then throws the two numbers he doesn't need over them mountains and tells the brothers good luck finding those within the next three days and vanishes. We then follow one of the flying numbers through the sky as it is chased by an out-of-control locomotive below. No, wait! It's Hanzo who needed 197. But oops, he accidentally gets 198 like a dink. But wait, it is not an accident because apparently Kilowatt switched the numbers, proving he knew Hanzo was there all along. <laughs> Kilowatt is a total badass. We then see said Kilowatt walking slowly while flipping the number he had and wondering to himself what Gon is up to right now because he's bored. And also, where did his skateboard go? Did he just leave it in the woods? That seems like an odd decision. You've just been carrying it this entire time. Didn't use it once in the woods full of roots, which doesn't make any sense. And then you're just going to like be gut punched and or kicked and have the skateboard go flying and be like, that's over. I don't skateboard anymore. <laughs> and then just like that, with a very smooth transition, we port back to Mr. Oreo and Pika Pika storyline. Both of them currently lamenting that they haven't seen anyone else in four days and that they are on day number six so that the time is a chicken. Mr. Oreo suggests that they check out where the boat is, like where the landing is that brought them there, and see if anyone is just like chilling there and waiting for the end to happen. We then see Mr. Oreo and Pika Pika looking out at the landing where the boat is far out in the distance and they don't see anyone who can be easily spotted, but at this point, to be fair... In the hunter exam, they are dealing with some great hiders, so that is to be expected. Pika Pika then has a very dumb idea where they split up and keep looking. Pika Pika usually is the one with the smart ideas. Mr. Oreo is the dumb, dumb idiot boy. But this time, Pika Pika is throwing a 100-mile-per-hour fastball when Mr. Oreo can only catch a changeup and says, Hey, let's split up, which is dumb. Again, the number one rule of D&D is never split up the party. But whatever, everything's okay because they're going to have a meeting spot. <laughs> we'll meet here in a day. Is that okay with you? You're definitely not going to die, are you, Mr. Oreo? And then Mr. Oreo should just be like, oh, for sure. <laughs> like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I, by myself, am going to die. In fact, in the future, we learn that even with y'all, I might probably die. Which is positive, because that's kind of what I want. But then, thank Christ, before they do any of this, Gon shows up, 
as he had the same idea they were and was watching atop a tree and tells them that there are a lot of people nearby. Mr. Oreo then explains to Gon that they are looking for examinee number 246, whose name is Ponzu, who I know every detail about in the world because I'm the worst. Gon then offers to help find her by following her smell, since she is known for using drugs that must have a pungent odor. Gon then starts following her scent, like a green shirt wearing bloodhound who also happens to be an expert fisherman like me and Sea of Thieves, which is all I ever really want to talk about. So I decided to slip it in here for a real quick sec. I'm just like, you know, not a big deal, but I am the captain of the killer whale, which is a specific ship you get when you reach level 50 of fishing. Pretty big time stuff. Been grinding for a year. But anyway... After walking forever within a beautiful montage like the Jews did that one time, sans the tight Taj, they finally reach her location. And oddly enough, the said location is a Ruby Tuesdays in St. Paul, Minnesota, where Ponzu went to get her swerve on, which I know is a surprise, but hey, that's what happened. Don't shoot the messenger. Instead, get the messenger a Tower of Onion Rings, please. Any hoozles. Mr. Oreo then decides to enter the Ruby Tuesdays to also get his swerve on, I mean cave, alone, while Gon and Pika Pika wait outside, which is dumb as shit. Yeah, dude, leave your actual superhero friends outside. I'm sure your tiny knife will be of great help. Mr. Oreo, in a moment of sheer brilliance, literally tries to break up with his pals, alliance over, apparently, when they don't go away and let him soldier on by himself with them not waiting there outside as backup. They're not even going to follow him in. He has to make them go away, like not be near the cave, and that is reason enough to be like, well, friendship's over. Fuck you, dude. Dude sucks. Anyway... Mr. Oreo is too dumb to be alive, and I'd like consequences for this Chowderhead's actions. Inside the cave, he meets Bourbon and Ponzu, who then lets him know that he's super fucked. From the outside, Gon and Pika Pika hear Mr. Oreo's voice shouting for them not to come in, which they weren't previously, bro. That made them come in. So, like, what were you actually trying to do? You want them to come in, but while you're saying it, you're saying, like, don't come in? Is your pride so great that you can't say the words that you feel? You bitch. Anyway, they instantly run into the cave to find the double-stuffed idiot sprawled out on the ground with snake bites all over his dumb, stupid body. Ew, David. It looks painful and gross. Ponzu then explains they cannot leave the cave because Bourbon had already set a trap. When someone tries to exit, his snakes will attack them, which paralyzes you and then subsequently kills you. Snake death is like, I think number three or four on my list of ways I fucking don't want to die. Number one is the deep ocean. Here comes the existential dread. You know, for a podcast (laughs) that is a form of escapism, I am great at making you guys feel bad. Anyway, Ponzu then reveals that she already killed Bourbon, meaning that they're all trapped inside the cave. Plato would be so disappointed. And then a wild little bells are trapped in a cave trap set up by a dead guy, which sucks because that means they won't pass and finally Mr. Oreo is going to die, which has some huge upside. Find out what happens next time on Hunter Hunter. And <laughs> Oh boy. That was fun. I did miss doing this podcast as much as every time I thought about it, I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, as just like a quick wrap up of the year 2020 
as we, the HBO boys, enter 2021. We just started recapping and reviewing Barry in preparation for season three. That episode went up recently. Give it a try. I really think it came out well. I think it showcases that, like, we've been podcasting for five years, and even though we're talentless hacks, with that amount of time, we have, like, over 150 podcasts at this point. Just with that amount of time and experience, there's no way we can be god-awful, just regular awful. And we finished His Dark Materials Season 2, which I had feelings about, and so did James. Go listen to that and perhaps watch that show and feel the feelings about that. At the end of the seventh episode of said His Dark Materials podcast, we then rank all the shows that we watched in the year 2020, which everyone remembers as a positive year where nothing bad happened, which I think was also a fun conversation. Anyway, all of those things are all available up on the internet. So please go... And listened to those thingies. This, I hope, will continue a trend of Hunter Hunter being up on Sunday mornings at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time once again. I thank you all for your patience. I love you like I would love a child that I had. Just like a newborn baby. I look at you guys like you're newborn babies. I've just had just a few newborn babies and you're all them. And I'm like, these ones I'm going to raise. Like, they're my own. Because they are. I don't know why I said that. To their faces. I mean, they're not, like, literate, uh, which is not the what you're, I'm looking actually for. Uh, what is the what? Like, listening. Like, I guess literate is. Like, just, you know, they don't know English yet. You don't, you don't, you guys don't know English yet. Because you're babies. I swear I am not on any hard drugs. I am just, like, doing... <laughs> Anyway, this Cocaine Addicts Hunter Hunter podcast episode is now over. I'm not! I swear to Christ. I'm just, like... So hydrated right now. Okay, bye. Shot